0: Listen to any earnings Call with the Borsa Earnings Call mobile app now available on the App Store. Check the show notes for the download link. Good day, lady-
1: Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Tesla Q3 2018 Financial Results and Q&A webcast. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. Later, we will conduct a question and answer session, and instructions will follow at that time. If anyone should require assistance during the conference, please press start and zero on your touchstone telephone. As a reminder, this conference is being recorded. I would now like to introduce your host for today's conference, Mr. Martin Vieca, Senior Director of Investor Relations. Mr. Viecka, you may begin.
2: Thank you, Sherry, and good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Tesla's third quarter 2018 Q&A webcast. I'm joined today by Elon Musk, J.B. Straubel, Deepak Ahuja, and a number of other executives. Our Q3 results were announced at about 1 p.m. Pacific time in the update letter we published at the same link as this webcast. During this call, we will discuss our business outlook and make forward-looking statements. These comments are based on our predictions and expectations as of today. Actually, Actual events um, or results could differ materially due to a number of risks and uncertainties, including those mentioned in our most recent filings with the SEC. During the question and answer portions of today's call, please limit yourself to one question and one follow-up. Please press star one now if you would like to join the question queue. But before we jump into Q&A, Elon has some opening remarks.
3: Elon. Uh, Thanks, Martin. Uh, So I'll make some opening remarks and then we're gonna talk about uh, vehicle safety, um, uh, autopilot and factory safety. And we have a number of people from Tesla here to uh, elaborate on that, so I think this, just a lot going on that uh, who would find interesting. But I want to start by thanking all of our customers, employees, and shareholders. Uh, this was an incredibly historic quarter for Tesla. Model 3 production stabilized. We're, we delivered a total of uh, 84,000 vehicles globally, which is more than 80% of the vehicles that we delivered in all of 2017. In fact, we delivered more cars in this quarter than we did in all of 2016, in a single quarter. Uh, Model 3 became the best-selling car in the U.S. in terms of revenue and the fifth best-selling car in terms of volume. We saw higher revenues and significantly better profitability in our uh, energy business. Um, In fact, I think for solar, it may have been the best quarter ever for solar. We achieved GAAP net income of over $300 million, uh, increased cash and equivalents by $731 million, and achieved a greater than 20% gross margin uh, for Model 3 and moreover um, we expect to again have a positive net income and cash flow in Q4, and uh, I believe our aspiration certainly will be for all quarters going forward. Um, uh, you know, I, I think we, we can actually be positive cash flow uh, and, and profitable for all quarters going forward, leaving aside quarters where we may uh, need to do a, a significant repayment, um, but I, I, for example in, in, in Q1 next year, but I, I think even even in Q1, uh, I think we can be approximately flat in, in cash flow uh, by end of quarter. Um, this quarter was made possible by the incredible execution of our uh, employees across the board from sales, production, delivery, service, energy, engineering, finance, and all of our GNA teams. Really, every part of the business executed incredibly well. I want to thank everyone again for the incredibly hard work. Um, I, I especially want to thank uh, customers who, uh, Help. It's like I've never even heard of this. Maybe this has happened before, but I've, I've never heard of, it, of a case where a company's customers actually ca- cared about the, the future of the company so much that they volunteered their time to help the, help a company succeed. Um, I think that's that's amazing. I just don't, don't see that um, anywhere. So, um, yeah like really makes it chokes me up, actually. This, this quarter, we started rolling out, rolling out version nine of our software, which is our biggest software upgrade in two years. And Model 3 received a, a five-star safety rating in every category and subcategory. Um, I got the lowest probability of injury of any car that the US has ever tested. Looking ahead, we expect to produce and sell even more Model 3s in Q4, uh, and uh, expect that trend to continue into, into Q1. Um, And we're excited to bring Model 3 to Europe and China early next year, given that the market for mid-sized premium sedans in those regions is even larger than in North America. Um, I've said before that we must prove that Tesla can be sustainably profitable. This quarter was an important step towards that, and I'm incredibly excited about what lies ahead. So this is, uh, yeah, just um, so so proud of the the Tesla team, our customers. uh, Really appreciate the, the. Support of our long term shareholders. Um, and um, yeah, I just want to say on behalf of the Tesla team, we're just super appreciative of, of your support through, through what has obviously been a, a very difficult time. All right, now let's move to, so let's start off with uh, vehicle safety. Uh, Madan, who's know, a, a lead vehicle safety engineer, um, been, been with the company for a long time. What, and how many years has it been that we've been like working 10 together? Years. Yeah, Ten years. Ten years. <laughs> Wow. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I've been working with Madan for ten years. Uh, we've had so many conversations on vehicle safety. Um, wow. <laughs> um, and uh, you know what? The you know, with we really go to try to go go the extra extra mile with with vehicle safety. Um, you know, not not just like there's a series of government mandated tests, but um, you know. What, what some companies do is they, they game the system. So they, they know where the, the side pole impact is going to be. They strengthen it right in that position. It, it tells us that we're like, okay, what is the weakest point in the car? Let us test it at that position. So it's, the actual safety is not fully captured in the, t- in the tests because we anti-game the system.
4: Thank you, Ilan. Just want to give you a very quick background about myself. So yeah. uh, like I said, giant Tesla 10 years, I'm extremely very happy to mention I'm working with an extraordinary set of uh, very passionate and uh, very hardworking individuals. And that essentially shows in our product. Mm -hmm. So that's very important for us. And also important is our principal mission statement on safety because what we want to do is uh, safety has been probably the important factor for our vehicle. It's not just for electric vehicle, any vehicle period. Yeah. And that's fundamentally difference, differentiates us, so which essentially helps us to keep adding new features and new safety uh, technology. And that's very important, and that shows in Model 3, mm-hmm. latest to things that we have. Uh, also, the fact that we have an electric vehicle, the design and architecture gives us a fundamental benefit over traditional vehicles. Mm-hmm. And that takes care of, for example, whether you have a, a block of engine in the front, where we can we can work with using a pretty much open architecture in the front, and the whole fact that you have all the uh, electrical and high voltage and ba- uh, uh, motors and all of that almost below the center of gravity of the vehicle, right. you say lowest probability of reduced rollover risk.
3: Yeah, and it's that's like significantly a- benefits. I think architecturally we have Newton on our side, Correct. and having Isaac Correct. Newton on your side is definitely the way to go. Okay. exactly. So
4: in the latest series of tests, I would like to specifically talk about model Three. Uh, NHTSA did a series of tests, actually four tests for one frontal, two side and one rollover test. And if you look at, we have been calculating how can we distinguish within the five star. There are so many vehicles that already get five star. Yeah. And if you look at within the five-star, so they're all, all, the yeah, all the same. Exactly. So if you look at there, there is a the matrix we came up with, which is a part of USN cap rating itself as the lowest probability of injury. And Model 3 has the lowest. And just to give you a context, there are a total of 900 plus vehicles since 2011, which have been rated. So the fact that Model 3 is the best among all the 943, to be exact, Right. So that speaks the volume, and I'm very happy to say that uh, Model 3 has achieved. In- we are not stopping right now. Yeah. What we would like to do is next is how we can make use of the active safety and autopilot features mm-hmm. and make it even more improvement so the next area that we're focusing on, how to integrate active and passive safety. Mm-hmm. That's our next area of challenge, which we will improve for sure.
3: Yeah, it's, it's worth noting that the-, the safety extends to... Uh, Not just people in the car, but also pedestrians. Correct. Yeah. So, uh, not having a big engine block in the the, front of the car is is really helpful because if you, if if the car were to hit a pedestrian, um, we'll get to active safety next because the the best thing is obviously not to hit a car or pedestrian. Um, The the fact that um, the the, the hood can can condense so far in is is really helpful um, because it it ends up being um, like sort of. Like it have a sort of like 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 a like a, uh, like a trampoline or like a it has it you just not, you don't you don't have a rock underneath it. It's very helpful. Um, so it's it's helpful for pedestrian safety and for uh, the safety of people in the car. Um, and and then uh, even if you have like a head-on collision with another car, the the extended sort of crumple zone of the of the of a Tesla <coughs> Model S X03 is helpful to to the people in the Tesla and the people in the other car.
4: That's,
3: that's good. So it's not just you know, uh, the people in the
4: car. I'd like to add one item uh, which is essentially how we look at the real world safety which has always been an important element for Elon. So if you look at the, our blog post we showed how we handle the center pole impact in the front By the way that's not part of NCAP rating. Mm-hmm. It's just to show how we go over and above the NCAP rating to make sure it's real world safety. Yes, That's very important for us.
3: I- exactly. That's what I mean by react like anti the system like what is the what is the worst way that, that the car could be hit not just sort of strengthen where we know the test will happen and that kind of thing um, so um, obviously we're all in these cars our friends are in these cars families in the cars so we care we a great deal about safety a lot of people think safety is boring but not Tesla so, so thanks man it's, uh, you thank you for your, your decade of, of hard work and the, the rest of the Tesla safety team um and, um, you know, with that, let's, let's uh, move on to the Autopilot. Um, and if um, you guys could just give an update on, on sort of uh, Autopilot software, AI, and, and hardware. Yeah. That's great. This is
5: Stuart Bowers. Um, we'll soon begin to roll out the team's most advanced Autopilot feature ever, Navigate on Autopilot. In our last release, we launched a new set of neural networks that combined together provide a view of everything happening around the car. With Navigate on Autopilot, we'll use information to understand exactly where the car is on the highway system and to automatically change lanes, handle forks, and take high-curvature exits to follow a nav route. Initially, it will require drivers to confirm lane changes using the turn signal before the car moves into an adjacent lane. Future versions will allow customers to waive the confirmation requirement if they choose to. One area that I'm personally really excited to build on with this improvement is active safety. With the advancement in neural networks covering 360 degrees of view around our car, we can provide a level of constant vigilance that humans just can't. Ultimately, this should allow us to warn and even intervene for an enormous percentage of modern accidents, and to ship these improvements as software upgrades to our existing customers.
3: Uh, we have a lot of this, like, we see this all the time in the, in the in the data, where the car will do an um, automatic braking event uh, and save uh, a, a pedestrian or a, uh, you know another car from impact. This happens all the time. All the time. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, every, and day, as we get. every day. It's like pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah the
5: team has done incredible work here, and by bringing up more of the cameras around the car, we can detect things as they come toward us, not just directly in front of us.
3: Yeah.
6: Pete. Oh, hi, this is Pete Bannon. Um, the hardware three design is continuing to move along. Um, over the last quarter, we've completed uh, qualification of the silicon, qualification of the board. Uh, we started um, the manufacturing line and qualification of the manufacturing line. We've been validating the uh, provisioning flows in the factory. Uh, we've built test versions of Model S, X, and 3 in the factory uh, to validate all the fit and finish of the parts and all the provisioning flows. So uh, we still have a lot of work to do, and the team's uh, doing a great job, and we're still on track to uh, have it ready to go by the end of Q1. Great.
3: And, and just th- that, that'll be um, an, um, on the roughly a 1,000% increase in, in – um, Processing capability compared to the current hardware, um, and uh, so it's obviously a, a giant improvement. Despite being about the, it costs about the same. Cost, uh, cost, cost, volume, and, and power consumption are approximately the same as the current hardware, but it's a, a tenfold improvement in uh, frames per second. That's right. Um, yeah, um, and and improved redundancy as well. Um, but very importantly, very important to emphasize is that uh, the the only the thing that that needs to change between a car that's produced today and a car that's they produced in the second quarter of next year um, is swapping out the the autopilot computer. Right. Um, and um, this is a simple uh, change that takes less than half an hour in in service to upgrade the computer. Um, and so anyone will be able to upgrade their computer to full self driving capability, or upgrade the upgrade their car to full self driving capability um, uh, with, with a simple service visit. So. We, we expect um, all cars with the um, uh, with the Hardware 2 sensor suite, basically anything made in the last roughly two years, um, will be upgradable to full self-driving. Yep. In yeah.
6: fact, a lot of the cars we're using for testing today are, have, in fact, been upgraded from Hardware 2.
3: Right. So it's, it's very important to emphasize that like, people shouldn't be slightly concerned that people would want to wait until that comes out, but there's, there's no need to wait until that comes out uh, because it's just a very simple plug and play uh, change uh, to get to the full self-driving. Um, and um, a- anyone who's paid for the full self-driving option will just get it done for free. Um, and anyone who, who still wants the, to, to order full self-driving at this point, it's just an off menu item, you can still order it. Um, but the, we we, um, uh, it, we took it off the order menu just because that there it was really it was creating a lot of friction in the the sales process, um, and people didn't understand the difference between enhanced uh, autopilot and full self-driving. So just to simplify the uh, the order process, we we took that off, but anyone who who asks for it can can certainly uh, get it, and and it really ends up being uh, a discount on on future capability. Um, But um, but to be clear, there's definitely no need to wait until Q2 to, order a car, uh, it, it, it's, we want to make it just a completely seamless process. Uh, so there's, there's no advantage to ordering now versus Q2. Uh, Andre, do you want to?
7: Yeah, i yes, okay. uh, Hi, everyone. My name is uh, Andre Karpathy. I'm the director of AI here at Tesla, and my team trains all of the neural networks that analyze the images uh, streaming in from all of the cameras for the autopilot. Uh, for example, these neural networks identify cars, uh, lane lines, traffic signs, and so on. Uh, The team is incredibly excited about the upcoming upgrade for the Autopilot computer, which Pete briefly talked about. Uh, This upgrade allows us to not just uh, run the current neural networks faster, but more importantly, it will allow us to deploy much larger, computationally more expensive networks to the fleet. Uh, The reason this is important is that it is a common finding in the industry, and uh, we see this as well, is that as you make the networks bigger by adding more neurons, the accuracy of all of their predictions increases with the added capacity. So in other words, we are currently at a place where we've trained large neural networks that work very well, but we are not able to deploy them uh, to the due to computational constraints. So all of this will change with the next iteration of the hardware, and it's a massive step improvement in the compute capability, and the team is incredibly excited to get these networks out there. Great. Thank you. Um,
3: and I've I I said this before, but I, I think... Um, Let's talk a bit about the kind of longer term future. Um, We absolutely see the future as kind of uh, as sort of a shared electric autonomy um, so that uh, you'll be able to do do ride-hailing or share your car in any way. Um, You know, sort of uh, long-term model that's probably some combination of like Uber, Lyft, and Airbnb. In other words, there'll be Tesla-dedicated cars for ride-hailing and there'll be and any customer will be able to share their car at will, just like you would share your house on Airbnb. So it's a combination of those two models. Uh, I think is, is is pretty obviously where things are headed long term. The the advantage that Tesla will have is that we'll have millions of cars in the field with full autonomy capability, and no one else will have that. Um, so I think that that puts us that will end up putting us in the strongest competitive position long term. Um, and then. Uh, uh, Lori, can you finish off with the uh, talk about factory safety and uh, thank you for the hard work of you your and your team. Um, I think we've made great strides and um, yeah, please, please go ahead.
8: Yeah, thanks. You know, we have the safest cars made by the safest people, okay. so um, it's an exciting time here at, at Tesla. Um, all car and manufacturing factories have injuries. Um, at Tesla, we have a commitment to zero injuries and our target is actually on good reporting so we have good reporting of injuries, good reporting of near misses, good observations, and lots of improvements. So to be the safest company in the world, we're, we have to be committed to that, and everybody here is. So we're um, actually steadily getting there, and we're not going to stop till we're there.
3: Absolutely. So yeah, it, it, yeah, so you may be mentioning, like, for example, like, we have had, like, some, you know, uh, sort of, for, for example, like, we do get these, like, quite unfair uh, you know accusations for example one of them was like that we were underreporting reporting injuries correct. and it's worth noting that uh, OSHA completed their investigation and concluded that we had not been doing anything of the sort. Correct
8: so, correct yeah. the uh, factory here had a four month long uh, Cal OSHA investigation and uh, it basically proved that we are recording properly and doing as we as we should be so it's much different than what you would read about in the press.
3: yeah this is true.
8: Yeah, yeah, I'm very proud of the team for that. It's uh, Yeah, one point I think people don't know is I've been here about a year now. Um, time flies when you're having so much fun.
3: It's like 12 um, years. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs>
8: but uh, when I joined, uh, we were already really a fraction. Our injury rate was a fraction of what it had been when Toyota and uh, GM ran the factory in the Numi days. So um, what we're all about is really continuing to make improvements from there. And um, you know what's also important is not to have serious injuries, mm-hmm. and and that's extremely rare here at Tesla. We have really strong focus on prevention and also using mitigating controls so that these types of injuries don't occur. I mean, most of the injuries that we we have are muscular sprains and things like
3: that. Yes, it's essentially it's it's uh, muscle strain and and getting scratched. Exactly. Plus, 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 yeah.
8: Hand and finger cuts yeah. and sprains. Yep. So I kind of just want to break down a few things that, you know, my team has been working on along with all the leaders here. Uh, you know, first it's people and engagement. Um, so one of the first things is, you know, meeting with you, Elon. Yeah. We meet with you on a regular basis. We meet with all the production leaders. So it's full-on engagement on um, improving safety. We have built a really strong EHS team, the best and the brightest. Uh, we have, and our EHS team is actually embedded into the line on the factory because we learn the process and we learn the people. You don't know how to improve unless you're out there on the line, on the process, engaging with the associates, listening and learning from our associates. So we have really strong engagement, health and safety committees. We do find it, fix it walks. Our, walker, our leaders are out there walking and also looking for improvements. And actually just this quarter, we had over 15,000 improvements. I mean, that's, like, amazing. So very, very exciting about that. Uh, we also look at risk reduction and in human performance. You know, people are going to make mistakes, so we're going to design in so we fail safely. Uh, we have uh, an early symptom intervention program. This is where we have industrial athletes go out on the line and work with our associates before anything happens. Like, if you have a pain... You know, let's let's work it out. Let's strengthen and um, really get get our employees fit. So we're doing that. We've also just opened a new and improved health clinic. So when injuries do occur, we get the absolute best care for for our associates. And it's actually overseen by one of California's leading orthopedic surgeons. And we did that because most of our injuries, like we said, like 80 85 percent, are those sprains and strains. So now they get that best care here on site, and we have 24-7 care. It's actually staffed by three full-time doctors and nurses, and I'm really super happy with the care they're giving, and um, I think the employees are as well. And the third –
3: We're going to expand on that. Um, Yes. So the the Tesla sort of health health clinic, um, both at at Fremont and and at Giga, uh, is that we have a really immediate – first-class uh, healthcare available right, you know, right on the spot when, when people need it. And this is not just for workplace, this is for workplace and non-workplace.
8: I know, that's super exciting.
3: Yeah, if, we're basically, if, any goes, if, if you become injured or ill for any reason, then there's healthcare immediately on site.
8: That's where we plan to give, exactly. And then finally, just being proactive, because that's what, that's what we're about, innovation and proactive. I mean, we've joined uh, national safety organizations we partner with, uh, with many leading universities, including California Berkeley, uh, Center for Occupational and Environmental Health. We do presentations there. We work with the automotive industry and do benchmarking all the time. We're always looking and bringing people in to look for things that we can do better and for new technology and innovations in safety. So, And with all of that, um, you know, we have made improvements in our injury rates. We are more than 10% better year over year in our lost, in, lost work days and our days away. But um, the most important thing is we're also getting all those good engagement observations. They're moving up. So, injuries down, observations, engagement up.
3: All right, so awesome. thanks, thanks thank for you. Thank you. Thanks, Laurie. Um, yeah, we'll provide um, regular updates on um, workplace safety um, and uh, yeah, our our goal is unequivocally to, to have the safest uh, factories in the world, where people look forward to coming to work in the morning. So it's like, yeah, that's that's our goal. All right. Um, with that, we can move to questions.
2: Cool. Well, thank you very much. And Cherie, let's uh, go to the first question, please.
1: Thank you. Our first question comes from Dan Galvez with Wolf Research.
2: Hey,
9: um,
10: thanks for taking my questions, uh, congratulations on the quarter, it's uh, it's really amazing to see this landmark quarter um, after covering the company for so long. Um, and thanks for uh, bringing some of your team onto the call, it's very interesting. Uh, my question is about um, uh, cell supply. There's been some, some noise about tight cell supply and, and sparks and tight labor supply. Like, in the short term, could you just talk about whether demand is outpacing supply of, of battery cells and, and kind of what's your plan for um, long-term expansion, uh, including cell supply in China?
6: Uh, JB, you
3: want
6: <clears throat> to? Sure, I, I can speak to that. This is JB. Um, we we have had a period where the supply was, was fairly tight for Model 3, but it it did not really constrain the Model 3 production in, in well, any significant way. Like well, for a week. Yeah, yeah, maybe for a few days. Yeah. Um, you know, the impact was, was larger felt on the energy uh, products, yeah. um, and you know, that, that still is somewhat tight. But we do, as we pointed out in previous you know, discussions, we do have third-party supplies of energy cells. So that production you know, can continue, um, even, even independently of, of the Panasonic supply in Sparks. Um, so that's been very helpful, um, and that is expanding in, in future quarters. Um, and also the Panasonic supply is expanding. You know, the, the productivity of existing lines is continuing to improve with a lot of hard work from the engineering teams and, and just operational stability. And we continue to bring online new production lines. So even just in the last uh, several weeks, we've started up, uh, you know, yet another produ- cell production line with Panasonic. And um, through the end of the year, there's another, uh, another line coming on and then one shortly after that. So there's a steady increase in the total supply. Um, that should keep us ahead of you know, even Model 3 growth and also should let us um, you know, have a larger percentage of energy supply be
3: sourced from GIGA locally. Yeah, we are making a pretty nutty amount of the world's uh, lithium-ion batteries. Um, and Martin, like I think we're, what, 60% or something?
2: Yeah, so at, at the moment, if you look at, uh, for example, for Q3, all electric vehicles made around the world, uh, their total battery capacity was about – uh, 20 or 19 gigawatt hours. And we pr- what we produced in Q3 was about the same or a little bit higher. Okay. So uh, about half of world's batteries, basically.
3: Well, and uh, is that... Uh, because we also source cells from Japan and, and, and elsewhere. Is that you talking just giga or...? or? Uh, so, so uh, it, uh,
2: yeah. So just the giga itself is about 20 and on, on top of that SMX is, um, I don't know, another four or five. Yeah.
10: Got it. No, it's a huge advantage. Um, is, is, there, uh, is there plans um, that you can talk about for self-supply in China? Um, will that be produced in China? Um, I'm assuming so.
3: Long-term, it would be produced in China. Uh, short-term, we're, we're not certain of the short-term situation, but long-term, uh, certainly.
10: Got it. Okay, thanks, thanks very much.
2: Thank you. Let's go to the next question, please.
1: Thank you. Our next question comes from Pierre Ferragu with New Street Research.
11: Hey, thank you for taking my question. Um, I, I was very surprised in the numbers you reported today by uh, the, your gross margin performance on the Model 3. So, if I remember correctly, you were expecting more of a 15% type of margin for this quarter and you actually did uh, better than 20%. So. Can you take us through uh, what's improved like faster and better than you had initially anticipated in, uh, in the manufacturing line and where these improvements uh, came from?
12: Um, Deepak here, and um, Jerome and others, please uh, feel free to join. Um, our improvements um, uh, on the cost side were in every aspect of cost. So uh, clearly, uh, our manufacturing Uh, Labor hours um, improved significantly. Uh, Our overall manufacturing costs uh, dropped almost 30% uh, sequentially, Q2 to Q3. Uh, We produced more volume, so we had better fixed cost um, absorption. Um, We had far less crap. Our yield on each of the lines across both factories improved significantly. Um, And as we look forward, we see even more opportunities. We are going through this phase where uh, we are now stabilizing production and the team can now intensely focus, focus on cost optimization and that trend will just
3: continue in Q4. Yeah, I think we're also being relatively like, on the conservative side when we predicted, when we said like 15, so we're being Right, we, we, our expectation was
11: we would
12: do better, but we yeah. wanted to be conservative, you're right, yeah. in terms of our guidance that we gave
11: uh, for Q3. Yeah. Okay, thanks, that's great. And, and then on the um, as a quick follow-up, you've, uh, you, you've announced uh, over the weekend like a mid-range uh, uh, car with um, w- with a smaller uh, smaller battery pack. And I was wondering, as you, you're looking at expanding production of the Model 3, uh, I think about it as you had two op- 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 options. One was to go abroad and to keep producing a higher-end, higher higher ASP car, and the other one uh, was to go for a, a lower-cost uh, car and and stick to the US. So. How did you decide the sequencing of these two things? Why is the lower car now, and going abroad only uh, early next year?
3: Well, we're we're trying to provide the most affordable um, electric car options that we can, um, and since we we, can, we we just don't have the ability to to get to the thirty five thousand dollar car right away. We thought this might be a way to offer it as an intermediate step, um, and. Um, that, that's, really, that's really it. Um, you know, we expect to start um, producing a significant volume for Europe in January, um, and, and obviously it takes some time to, to ship, so uh, deliveries, you know, pr- probably pretty, pretty significant deliveries in Europe um, kind of in the late February-March time frame because uh, cars have to get way from California to a customer in Europe. Um, and, uh, you know, for us, the car only counts as delivered if it uh, reaches the end customer uh, and all the paperwork is completed correctly. So it's, it's the highest possible standard for, uh, for, for considering a sale at sale. Um, yeah. And also to APAC inside um, delivering cars. Um, yeah. The, we, we may or may not deliver cars in APAC in, in Q1. Um, but certainly in Q2. It, it'll, it'll be kind of borderline uh, as to whether a car is delivered in APAC by the end of Q1. Uh, so I can't say that for certain. They're definitely in Europe, um, but uh, and they're definitely in APAC in Q2. Yeah. Okay,
2: let's go to the next question, please.
1: Thank you. Our next question comes from Romit Shah with Nomura Instant. Yes, thank
4: you. Thank um, you. I guess just along those lines, you, know, you, you, uh, you indicated that uh, you're going to bring Model 3 to Europe uh, early next year. Um, where would you like to see um, production uh, in order to support that ramp overseas?
3: Well, initially, production will occur. I mean, these last next several months, all uh, production is a vehicle production will take place at our car plant in California.
4: Sorry, I, mean, I meant to ask, uh, where, do you, where would you like to see the production rate uh, on a weekly basis go to in order to support that ramp?
3: Um, yeah, it's hard to predict with, with accuracy. Um, the, and there's also, you know, like the, the, all the tower fours and everything. So, you know, long-term, long like you say, like, without talking about, like, next quarter, so, like, what is uh, global likely global demand for Model 3? It's on probably on the order of anywhere from 500,000 to a million cars a year, let's say, good global demand for Model 3. Um, if you look at something like, say, the 3 Series, um, one that's around half a million. Half a million, right, million the BMW more. 3 Series is about half a million uh, a year
12: mm-hmm.
3: uh, globally. Um, and, and generally we, we find that... Uh, we we outcompete the the BMW 3 Series um, quite well, so uh, we it seems like logical therefore that we would long term have a higher uh, production, or higher demand. You know, it maybe it's somewhere in between the kind of the, the BMW 3 Series and the Volkswagen Golf, which is about a million units a year. So yeah, that's why I say anywhere from 500,000 to a million units a year long term.
4: And you have to add new lines to, to support that, or are you just going to continue to remove bottlenecks in the
10: existing lines?
3: No, we, we, we're definitely going to do uh, local production in China. We're moving rapidly on that. Um, so we're, we're aiming to, to have Model 3 production for the, for the China market or the greater China market uh, uh, active certainly next year. It's, it, will, it will be happening next year. Um, But it will be done in a very very capital-efficient manner, um, much more akin to uh, the way we did uh, General Assembly Line 4 versus General Assembly Line 3. Um, And then we'll also have a factory in China and in Europe long term because it's pretty silly to make cars in California and ship them all the way to Europe as far. Especially in high volumes. Yeah, exactly. Especially if it's a – I'm not talking about the S and X, I'm just talking about the three. So SNX will continue to be made in, in California, um, I think, probably probably exclusively uh, here. Um, but for, for cars where we're trying to maximize affordability, it, it makes um, a lot of sense to produce those cars, at least on the continent where they are, where they are consumed. Forward, yeah.
2: Okay, let's go to the next question, please.
1: Thank you. Our next question comes from George Galliers with Evercore.
13: Thank you. Um, Maybe just following up on the previous question, is the target still to produce 10,000 Model 3s a week in Fremont? And I think you mentioned in the past that once you got to a run rate of around 5,000, you'd be better placed to assess what CapEx is required to get there. So as of today, do you have a better idea of what CapEx is required to get to that kind of level at Fremont?
3: I think we're not prepared to speak to that right now um, except that it will be considerably less than money that we've spent to get to 5000 in the first place, um, like quite, I think quite dramatically less. I um, said I would said I'd probably see a path to like 7,000 units a week from Model 3 with really minimal capex. Um, Very minimal. Yeah, Jerome, yeah, with very minimal to get to 7,000 uh, a week, um, and then, um, I mean, that's really just basically solving, uh, improving that time of the existing lines, and we can do 7,000 a week. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, and, and then it, it gets a little harder as you start to go above 7,000. Uh, we would would need to at least bring lines down in Fremont for significant upgrades to get to 10K, but also just not, we're not talking about massive amounts of capex. But, you know, if if it's, say, like, long-term, it's, again, you know, long-term, it's, it's, if predicting things on a quarter-by-quarter basis is very difficult because um, when you have an exponential, Growth rate like we do. I mean, if you if you look at Tesla cumulative deliveries over time, it's like the cleanest exponential curve fit that I've ever seen. So, but but small movements in calendar time can can look like a very large uh, hit or miss uh, one way or the other because it's such a steep curve. Um, that's why I'm. It's it's always tricky to predict things on a quarterly basis, um, but a lot easier if you go out, you know, a year or so. Um, yeah, I mean. It, it, you know, probably long term, it's at least sort of seven to ten thousand cars from Premonts of Model Three, um, and then I don't know five thousand to eight thousand in the rest of the world, something like that. This is a guess. Okay,
13: thank you. And then just as a follow up, in the letter you you do point out that the size of the European market for premium midsize sedans is, is roughly twice that of the U.S. Could you also maybe just comment to um, what your expectations are for mix in Europe? Based off Model S and Model X, do you expect richer mix in Europe versus the U.S., or is it fairly similar?
3: Uh, we're given that zero thought. I mean, this is like – there's not – I've no I don't know, Martin, do you have an No, I,
2: like, all I'm aware of is that, um, you know, because of cold weather, and probably all-wheel drive and long uh, battery range will be highly demanded in Europe. Um, but apart from that, I mean, we, we ultimately have to start selling the car to see what the demand is, so.
3: Yeah, I mean, it seems like it's likely to be comparable to, to, to I mean, if, 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 if pretty much the, the size market is, like, twice big in Europe, then... Well, it's likely to be at least as much demand in Europe as there are, is in North America. Like that's a pretty safe bet. Um, but our, our, our goal really is to make electric cars that everyone can afford, not not to tr- to sort of mine high you know high option value cars. It's like if we could, if we could produce a thirty five thousand dollar car today, uh, we would do it. If, you know we need more work. We need more. Work, there's more work to do forward to make a $35,000 car um, and have it be positive risk uh, Not, You know, we're probably less than six months from that, but um, that, that's our mission.
2: Great. Let's go to the next question, please.
1: Thank you. Again, ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to ask a question at this time, please press star, then one. Our next question comes from Maynard Um with Macquarie.
0: Hi, thank you. Congratulations on a great turning point for Tesla. Um, as you continue to scale the business, can you talk about how we should think about how you balance profits versus reinvestments? Um, you're targeting sustainable gap profitability and cash flow, but I'm curious if there's a level of gap profitability or gap operating margin or cash flow you want to hold and then take the excess to fund new growth or accelerate opportunities?
3: Um, sure. I mean, maybe to if, if characterize that question, it would be like um, – you know, are we, are we starving new vehicle development in order to achieve gap profitability and cash flow positive? Would that be inaccurate? Is that essentially, like the answer is no. Um, so uh, we've um, made significant progress um, on the Model Y. Um, you know, and, uh, so in fact, I've, I approved the prototype to go into production uh, recently you know, we still, it'll be 2020 before that's in volume production, but we made great progress there. We'll uh, also continue to make progress on the Semi uh, and the, uh, the, te- the newer Tesla Roadster. Um, and then, uh, actually, the product I'm personally most excited about is the Tesla pickup truck. So I think that's gonna be some next level, next level stuff there. Uh, and then not, I, I should not forget to mention the the solar tile roof. Um, we'll also start getting into volume production of the solar tile roof next year. Um, you know, that, That's quite a long development cycle for because anything that's a roof has got to last 30 years. So even if you do accelerate uh, accelerate life testing as fast as possible, there's still a minimum amount of time required to do that. Um, and there's a lot of engineering that goes into how do you put on the solar tile roof, um, with uh, and, and not uh, be really labor intensive in doing so. So there's a lot of engineering, not just in the tile, but in the way it's done. Um, and then we've got you know, continued improvements in power PowerPack, power pack, other energy products. Um, I'm really, I, mean, I think we've got the most exciting product roadmap of any company on earth by far. I'm not even sure, like probably twice. I, I don't even know who would have a, which company would have a better product roadmap or, or even close yeah maybe they do but i don't know about
0: them. great and and when you talk about tesla having its own you know ride sharing fleet or giving the ab- abil- people the ability to loan out their car like an airbnb model i'm curious if your long term plan is to build a platform that's going to enable companies to write applications um, to turn the car directly into an application and then can you also maybe just talk about that business model? Is that, um, should we be thinking more about like a revenue sharing model, sort of like how Apple takes piece of revenue generated for uh, applications from iPhones? Thanks.
3: Uh, I don't know about turning the car into an application exactly, but I mean, maybe. Well will right, try to do the thing that maximizes uh, usefulness. Um, and so if there's a way for, if there's a way we can think of where third parties could do something, then that could make sense. Um, but I do know for sure that Tesla will operate its own uh, ride-hailing ride, ride, you know, its own ride-hailing service will compete directly with Uber and Lyft, obviously, um, and uh, you know, and but then also have the ability for customers to uh, offer their car uh, and, and add, the, add or subtract their car to the fleet at will. So it'll be a company-owned fleet and. Uh, and the company-owned fleet will just be where there aren't enough customer cars to be lent out. So if we, if we find, like, in a particular metro, there aren't enough customers who are willing to add their car to the shared fleet, then that's where we'll supplement it with a Tesla-owned fleet. Um, so that's why it's a sort of a combination of the Uber Lyft thing and Airbnb. And then we would charge, you know, something probably comparable to, yeah, to how they say the app store works where I don't know, we charge 30% or something. Uh, in order for somebody to add the car to the fleet. I think that's like a pretty sensible way to go. Um, yeah.
2: Great. Let's go to the next question, please.
1: Thank you. Our next question comes from Adam Jonas with Morgan Stanley.
14: Uh, thanks, everyone. Uh, first question is on, on governance. Uh, as the company conducts its search for a new chairman, what are the attributes and experiences of that person that you think – would be a best fit or best value for Tesla.
3: Um, actually, that's cool. We're going to uh, restrict questions to operational topics. Do you
14: have no problem. Uh, yes, I do. Um, can, you, um, can you tell us about the folks who are taking deliveries of Model 3? Uh, what are the top cars, car models, or brands that they're trading in or switching out of? How many are new to the brand? That kind of, anything you are prepared to share, and then I have a follow-up. Absolutely.
2: Hey, this is Martin. So, so I, I've done the analysis of all the trade-ins that we, we've received. And really, the, the only pattern that, that I've seen is that it's sort of all across the board, and the vast majority is non-premium brands. Um, I, I think that is the number one message. It's just that more than half of the tradings we received were priced at below 35000 when new. But other than that, that's, there's no real pattern. I, I you know, I haven't noticed anything worth highlighting other than it's just a lot of people upgrading their cars quite quite dramatically. Which is a huge upgrade.
3: Uh, yeah. From, well, for most people, uh, well, maybe for most, but for, for many people, it is the most expensive car they've ever bought. Um, so they mm. they they're clearly demonstrating with their money that they um, they're willing to spend extra money to get a Tesla. So. You know, it's like, it has a, it's like mass market premium.
12: The price walk is way beyond the federal tax credit. So clearly, there yeah. is
3: value mm-hmm. in the product
12: that they are perceiving, whether it's cost of ownership, whether it's sustainability, whether it's the brand or the Safe Safety, safety, like and the safety. All of the above is making a large number of customers jump up significantly in their purchase price.
3: Yeah, I mean, r- really, like the, honestly, like, the, the top reason to refer a friend to buy a Tesla is it's going to keep your friend safe.
14: Mm-hmm. That's a good reason. If I can just squeeze in, since I couldn't ask the first one that you could answer, um, do you think that the th- third quarter is a milestone, Elon, where, where you think Tesla becomes sustainably self-funding and uh, perhaps not in need of, of outside capital? Thanks.
3: Yeah, that is uh, that is uh, our goal. Um, we do not intend to uh, raise uh, equity or debt. Uh, at least that is not our intention right now. Um, you know, that may change in the future. But the current operating plan uh, is to pay off our debts, uh, to, and not to refinance them, but to pay them off um, and reduce the, the debt load and an overall leverage of the company. Um, oh, and, and I actually almost forgot one quite important thing, um, as and this is quite helpful, why it's helpful to have these sort of crisis situations uh, with, with logistics, for example. As I dug into the um, inventory, like basically finished product inventory uh, from factory to the customer, I was quite surprised to see how long that, that took um, and that it was quite expensive in a lot of cases to, to get cars to customers Um, This was uh, something I didn't fully appreciate uh, before, Um, and uh, we really have a major initiative at Tesla to get the average time from a car exiting the factory to uh, receiving the check from the customer, uh, being in the customer's hands, Um, to be clear we only get the check when we get the car to the customer. Um, So getting a car from from factory to customer to get that to be as short as possible. in August, the average time in North America to get a car from the factory to a customer was 30 days, which is embarrassingly long. Um, by the end of the quarter, we had reduced it to around 20 days, um, and our goal in, in uh, Q4, this is a goal, another promise, but our goal is to get the average time of a car from a factory to customer under 10 days. This is a giant improvement in the capital efficiency of the company. Um, because we're, we're making on the order of 75 million dollars worth of products per day, of, of cars per day, so every day, uh, every day it requires 75 thousand, 75 million dollars worth of capital. So every 10 days is 750 million dollars, um, and we, we, can't, we, we obviously we have um, a, uh, a loan from the bank that, w- that we can make use of. But the bank will. The banks will only loan us 85 percent of the cost of the vehicle, which translates to about 70 percent of the price of the vehicle. So, um, and then we've got this loan outstanding, which effectively increases the the, the cogs of the car, um, and, uh, and and then dilutes the company but to the tune of 30 percent of what of the um, inventory of, of the um, finished goods in, in transit is. So that this is this is really like tightening that getting that below 10 days in North America, and then um, also improving dramatically the time, the transit time to Europe and, and, and Asia. Uh, this is where, we're like, having local factories is actually very important for the capital efficiency of the overall system. Because um, I think over time we want to get the the, the time from, from a car going from factory to customer under seven days um, worldwide, um, and then. The, um, the terms that we have with from our suppliers are, uh, on average, just over sixty days. Um, now, our, our, our parts inventory management also is there's a lot of room for improvement there. We um, think we we'll probably cut that down to, you know, a few hundred million dollars, or, or so, uh, of you know, something like that, maybe two yeah. or three hundred million dollars of parts at the factory. Um, so then, effectively. Um, What what we're going to do is reverse the the working capital requirements of the company quite dramatically to the point where the faster we grow, the more capital we have. This is incredibly important uh, for capital efficiency of the company. It's night and day. In fact, is there anything you'd like to... No, I think you are totally... Um, you know,
12: we're reducing our raw material inventory on one hand uh, by keeping the production stable, finding efficiencies in warehouse management and supply chain, uh, and at the same time, reducing the time to deliver the car and uh, convert that car into a, a, a cash. Uh, and that significantly improves working capital needs.
3: Yeah, it's really quite dramatic. So, yeah, I think this... Sort of profoundly changes the financial uh, effectiveness of Tesla. Yeah.
12: yeah, we reduced our inventory in uh, Q3, um, uh, which helped. And, uh, uh, although we had higher payables uh, because, uh, sorry, higher receivables because the quarter ended on the weekend, we won't have that in Q4. So um, all of this should continue to help us in Q4 and beyond know, the
3: working capital game. Yeah, I mean, it occurs to me that. Even if the only thing, like, even if uh, this was the only thing that Tesla did different was to um, shorten the time from factory to, uh, to the end customer, um, in any given company that did that would outcompete all other companies over time. It would, be, it, would not be, it would not be a contest.
2: Great, thank you very much. Let's go to the next question, please.
1: Thank you. Our next question comes from Tony Sakanaji with Bernstein. Uh,
9: yes, thank you. Uh, I have uh, one for Deepak and then a follow-up, please. Um, Deepak, the OPEX uh, expense management was very strong in the quarter. I think it was down 13% sequentially, and OPEX was only up 5% year-over-year, year, despite revenue growing 71%. Um, so on that front, I mean, in hindsight, did you get too bloated um, and uh, needed to get more right-sized, and looking forward, how do we think about OPEX growth versus revenue growth on kind of a more normalized basis?
14: Yeah,
12: uh, Tony, so excluding one-time items, our OPEX uh, decreased sequentially by 5%, to to just clarify that, first of all. And a lot of that uh, was driven by the actions we took in Q2 to more efficient with our employee headcount. Uh, We benefited from that um, in Q3. And we were really uh, careful in terms of uh, all of our spending. Um, The other piece that helped us is um, a lot of our Model 3 spending on expense sort of R&D is reducing because Model 3 is going into production. So Q2 to Q3, we saw a reduction there. And uh, it just gives you the sense of the leverage um, our operating expenses can have while our revenue is growing dramatically. So our OPEX will increase in the future, but at a far slower rate, and we will continue to be really, really careful about the spending. And I think there are actually more efficiencies that we can find. We are going to find them, absolutely. So we'll continue down that path, definitely.
9: Okay, and then to, thank you for that. And then to follow up, I was just wondering if you could help us a little bit on the on the back to the gross margin on Model Three and, and the thirty five thousand dollar car. So you know this quarter um you know I impute that model three ASPs were maybe fifty nine thousand um and that might suggest that gross margins on a thirty five thousand dollar Model three might be about zero. And Elon, I think you alluded to the fact that you know, the goal is really to get positive gross margins on a $35,000 car before shipping. Um, are are those all fair assessments? And and I guess the question is, where is – where would a Model 3, a uh, $35,000 Model 3, be in terms of gross margins today, and where does it need to be before you want to offer it broadly um, uh, to consumers? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's – uh,
3: the challenge with uh asking questions of that nature in detail is that it is a rapidly changing situation so like literally if you would ask this in a month it'd be different another month it would be different um the uh there's no question we need to get to the point where uh we can sell a thirty five thousand dollar car and and where the the uh full account for cogs of the car um is let's say on the order of $30,000 or slightly less than $30,000. Um, like I think we'd, we'd want to ideally get the cogs of, the car, of, of that configuration of the car under $30,000. Um, that that, that's our goal. That's what we're pushing very hard to achieve.
12: Exactly. And it's, it's a matter of time. It's a, there's a significant material cost reduction that comes. You have a smaller battery pack, so a fewer amount of cells. Yeah. It's not the same uh, cells that we have in the existing cars.
3: But it's the same cell, but it's not the, the same, same amount of cells. So cell, cell cost. Fewer, fewer okay. cells, and, a, right. and and then the non-cell portion of the pack is also cost reduced. Exactly. So with, with, the, with the current mid-range pack, it still has the basically about the same non-cell portion of the pack cost.
12: Exactly. And we are achieving massive reduction in all our manufacturing costs per car, which will continue. And as volume grows, that also helps us the fixed cost absorption. So it's the same factors that that have helped us so far will continue to help us going forward to get us there.
2: Anything you want to add, JB? Yeah. Great. Let's go to the next question, please.
1: Thanks, you. And next question comes from James Albertine with Consumer Edge.
15: Great. Uh, good afternoon, and uh, thanks for taking the question. Congratulations. Great. Want um, wanted just to point a clarification, um, you know, Elon, you mentioned in August you know, the time to uh, get the car from a factory to a customer was 30 days down to 20 at the end of the quarter, and your goal is under 10 by the end of 4Q. Where do we see that flow through from a COGS perspective? Is that an automotive gross margin, or is that in services and other at this point?
12: It's all an automotive gross margin or
3: logistics costs outbound. Outbound logistics. Just Cogs COGS yeah, I think we'd see a reduction in inbound logistics as well as outbound logistics. Um, what, what I, I, maybe the question is, like, for, for the debt that is carried for that period of time, is that—is that factored is that, is that into COGS, or is that not?
12: The, the interest expense yeah. of the debt, that's in the interest expense line. So okay. that is not in
3: COGS. Okay, yeah, that's why I, I do think that the, the definition of COGS should probably be broadened to include anything that's directly driven by volume, essentially, uh, that, that affects the marginal cost of, of the, the vehicle. So, although that is not in officially in COGS, in my opinion, it probably should be uh, is to to take the the ABL uh, interest expense and uh, apply that effectively to um, the the cost of the car.
12: And from a broader sense, you're looking at it as the cost of doing business, which can be avoided.
3: Yeah, Um, just essentially cash availability increases quite dramatically. Um, Dilution or leverage uh, outside of the ABL line uh, improves dramatically. Um, and then the de the facto cost, of, the effective cost of the car also reduces because you do not have the interest expense. If you have the interest expense over 20 days versus 10 days, this is a big difference. Yep.
15: Uh, understood, and I, and I appreciate that clarification. You know, sort of was trying to get at. You've been running a negative gross margin in services and other for, for several quarters now, and um, wanted to get a sense for you know, when that could maybe trough and start to turn a corner and to generate some profit for you. I understand there's a lot of building out going on for sales, service, and, and charging infrastructure, um, but if you could give us some kind of clarification there, that would be, I think, helpful. And if you're willing maybe to provide an update on where you stand today in terms of battery costs, um, I know your goal of a sort of parity with ICE uh, vehicles, but maybe an update if you're willing to provide it on, on where you stand in that trajectory. Thanks.
12: I I think um, uh, 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 over time, um, every quarter, progressively, uh, we will see an improvement in the uh, service and other business as our uh, revenue continues to grow, and uh, at the size of our fleet, it's as simple as that.
3: Yeah, long-term, I would would expect uh, service uh, to be a significant uh, revenue item. and, and, a, and to be a positive margin contributor. Yes. Um, yes. And it's gonna be a function of our fleet size. And age. Yeah, and age. Exactly. So we're under warranty now. Yeah, we're under, exactly, we're under warranty. There's yes. like a lot of stuff that's under warranty. But a, as, a, as the warranty expires, so there's like non-warranty items, then we would expect service to be positive gross margin. Okay.
12: And that also includes our used car sales. Um, yeah, a And that's our, good our point. used car sales is continuing to grow and they have a heavy margin. And so, that, that overall business uh, for mature companies is in some cases more profitable uh, than new products. I'm not just talking about OEMs, auto OEMs. And we are at the early stage of our growth here. And as our fleet size grows, there are just so many opportunities in that business that um, it's a matter of time, as
3: I said, simply said. Yeah. Okay, and on the battery cost, there was a question. Well, that is a key sort of a competitive metric. So I think it's safe to say we're much better than anyone else by a lot. Um, but we prefer not to uh, give a precise number.
2: Okay. And now let's go to the last question, please.
1: Thank you. Our final question comes from Phil LeBeau with CNBC TV.
9: Thank you, guys. Uh,
6: Elon, quick question. In terms of as the federal tax uh, credit starts to be phased out as uh, your sales uh, cross over to the threshold. What kind of an impact have you guys modeled into how much that might slow down potential sales?
3: We don't expect this to result in. Uh, we, we, yes, the the, the the sales tax or the, the the tax incentive in the in the U.S. Uh, drops in half at the end of this quarter. But then we also start shipping to Europe and then start shipping to Asia, Um, and we certainly do not expect anything that would cause our production to drop below, let's say, a minimum of 5,000 cars a week. But in
6: terms of in the United States, uh, do you expect that it will slow down uh, demand and
3: sales within the U.S.? Um, I I think that as we're able to offer lower-cost versions of the car, uh, that's we would expect demand to sustain in the U.S., um, but I want to be clear. Like, it's not like we're holding back this lower cost version of the car intentionally. Uh, just like with like, the, the, we're just like, is there anything we can do to provide a lower cost car now? And that's where we came up with the uh, depopulated long range pack. It just like basically taking having having a long range pack with fewer cells. Uh, like, we really care about providing the end customer with the most affordable car that we we possibly produce the best Um And uh, if we could do the smaller pack now, we absolutely would. Um, it's just going to take us, I don't know, at least three months to get the production going, and then you go to spool up production, and that production's going to go to, you know, we've got to make the packs, the packs are going to go to the vehicle factories, the cars are going to get delivered to customers. Mm-hmm. So that's why, you know, customers probably see the, the smaller battery pack you know, on the order of, like, you know, March or something, or February maybe, but something on that order. Um, okay. And Thank um, you. you. You know, one thing, uh, is, is these, do, these do trigger kind of like maybe points that are worth bearing in mind. Um, it, um, as, uh, as our quarterly letter indicates, uh, the, the Model 3 has the, um, is, is the most efficient uh, energy per mile uh, electric vehicle out there. Uh, it's, got, it's got the best efficiency. Um, so, we've got the um, best, best in, t- in terms of miles or kilometers per, per kilowatt hour, and we also have the lowest cost per kilowatt hour. This makes it very difficult for other companies to compete with Tesla because we have the most efficient car and the lowest cost batteries. So, I, I do encourage our competitors to, to, to really make a huge investment, uh, we've been saying that for a long time, uh, and, and then they're only in this competitive disadvantage because they didn't you know we try to help them as much as we could and they didn't they didn't want to take our help. but we you know we've, so they can use all our patents for free. We're happy they, they can use our supercharger network if, if they can just have an adapter for our connector or something. We want to be as helpful as possible um, to the rest of the industry um, but um, the fact of the matter is, we made the investment in the factory and other companies didn't, um, and we put a lot of effort into having extremely efficient uh, cars, uh, which the other, you know, having most efficient powertrains, and, and the other companies didn't, but, you know, I'm sure they will over time, but that's what has put us in quite a strong competitive competitive position right now.
2: Fantastic. I think that's uh, uh, all we have time for today. I just want to
13: and, add a sorry, comment
12: um, in closing. And Elon uh, started with it, and I wanted to say that for my myself personally here, uh, I want to personally thank all the Tesla employees who worked incredibly hard uh, this quarter and in prior quarters um, in each and every part of our business. Um, our results really are the uh, are, are a reflection of the execution. Done in the company by the company, and the passion uh, that our employees have to uh, deliver such results uh, despite all odds. Uh, and I also want to thank all our customers and and all our investors who have believed in us, in our product, uh, and our vision of accelerating the world's transition to sustainable energy. So thank you for my side. Sorry,
3: no, I'm good. All right. Um, anybody have any any additional comments or anything? Um, all right. Thanks, everyone. Um, and, uh, yeah, I look forward to the next call. Thanks. Thank you. Goodbye.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for participating in today's conference. This
2: does conclude the program. You may all disconnect and have a wonderful day.